Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. It's Orlando, and oh, do we have a podcast for you. It's time to reflect on the season that was with the Portland Trail Blazers. It's an end of an era. Terry Stotts no longer head coach. The search for a new coach is on. And what a press conference from general manager Neil Olshay. We'll break down all the tea. Plus, it's going to be an interesting offseason. Could trades be on the way? All that and so much more. Let's start the show. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. It is so good to be back. Thank you to everyone for rocking with the podcast, continuing to subscribe, supporting us. It means so much to us. We appreciate you. Make sure to let everyone know about the pod. We have reached the end of the road for the Portland Trailblazer season. What a crazy week it has been. Joined, as always, by Jared Cowley and Max Barr. Guys, we, here we are. I thought the Blazers might have had a little more juice left in them, but the season ends in the first round for the fourth time in the past five seasons. And just like that, the Terry Stotts era is over. Man, what an eventful past week it has been. So, guys, I want to bring you in right away, and let's talk briefly about last season. You know how we rock. We've got questions. We've got answers. Way more than we usually do because this is the end of the season extravaganza. So, guys, number one, would you categorize this past season as a success, a failure, or about what you expected? Who wants to go first? I'll kick it off. Um, I would categorize the season as about what I expected. And that was an entertaining season that ended with a loss in the playoffs. I think there are probably a lot of fans out there who think it was a failure because the Blazers didn't win a championship and we've seen another year of Damian Lillard's prime come and go. They also lost a series to a team that had the MVP, but was without two key players due to injury. Uh, if anyone wants to slap a failure sticker on that, I've got no issue with it. Everyone has a right to their own opinion. But here are a few things I'm going to remember about this season. First off, CJ McCollum's scorching start. You guys remember how he started the season? Over his first 13 games, he was playing the best basketball of his career. He averaged nearly 27 points, shot 44% from three at high volume. 
That he also so averaged, long ago. <laughs> I know. So. I know it does. He, he also averaged over four assists per game. And I think he was really on his way to his first all-star appearance had Clint Capella not stepped on his foot. Yep. We know what happened after that. He missed two months. But he was absolutely balling. And then speaking of the all-star game, I didn't think the game should have happened at the time just because of the health risks. But it sure was fun to watch. We had Damian Lillard and Steph Curry hitting half-court bombs. Lillard hit the game winner. And we also, at halftime, had Anthony Simons win the slam dunk contest, which was just a really cool moment. After the All-Star break, that's when Lillard took over. We saw that hot streak of clutch baskets in March, highlighted by that 50-point, 10-assist game against the Pelicans. And then finally in April, the Blazers, they had that five-game losing streak. The sky was falling. People were losing their minds. But then the Blazers responded by winning 10 of their last 12 games, avoided the play-in tournament, just an exciting stretch run of the season. So those are the things that I'm going to take away from this season. And of course, it's disappointing that the Blazers lost to Denver, especially the way they just wilted in game six after playing what I thought was a great first half. But then Nurk's foul trouble came back and the Blazers got punched and they just folded. But I think expecting a deep run in the playoffs from this team was just unrealistic. If we had, if the Blazers had advanced and we had done a Blazers-Suns preview, I would have picked the Suns in five. I would have picked the Lakers in five if the Lakers had defeated the Suns. So those are kind of my takeaways from this season. Just, just a fun ride, some ups, some downs, but most of all, just really entertaining. How about you guys? I think that's good. I, I like how... You bring a little nuance to to this conversation. I mean, it's it's easy to it's all about what have you done for me lately, and what is on our mind is the the loss to the Nuggets in the first round of the playoffs. But there were a lot of really fun moments from this season, and it's good to look back on those and and remember those moments. I mean, for me, I've been thinking about this for the past week. You know, since the season ended, I, I can't categorize this season as a success. It's definitely not what I expected. So I guess I'd call it a failure. Um, I picked the Blazers at the beginning of the season. I was really high on the potential of this team, um, mainly because of the defense. You know, I thought that the defense was going to be much better. You know, you bring in Rocco, you bring in, you know, a defensive, you know, forward like Derek Jones Jr. I was expecting to have, you know, healthy Nurkic for most of the season. So I thought the defense was going to be a lot better. I knew the offense was going to be good because it's it's always good. Um, and so I thought, I mean, I picked the Blazers to win 48 games. I picked them to finish second in the West. I said their ceiling was the Western Conference Finals. And when I said all that at the beginning of the season, I was definitely putting out my most, my very most optimistic take on this season. But like a completely realistic take for me, would have been something like 46 wins top four in the West and at least making it to the second round and being competitive in the second round. That's what I expected from this roster, from this team. And the Blazers came up short on all of that 42 wins, six in the West, barely avoiding the play in a first round exit. Those are all, they're pretty far below my expectations. And so for me, I can't look at this season as a success. I guess the way I look at this team right now is two years ago, the Blazers made the Western Conference Finals. 
And you can say what you want about that run, whether they had a favorable draw, all that stuff, it doesn't matter. They made the Western Conference Finals two years ago. And for me, as long as Dame is still here and still playing at the level that Dame is playing at right now, that's the benchmark for me. If they don't get there or come really close, then the season as a team is a failure. That doesn't mean like Damian Lillard's season itself is a failure, you know, but the team's season is a failure. You just can't follow up a Western Conference Finals appearance with consecutive first-round losses. Um, the injuries were what they were. I mean, I think that it's fair to talk about the injuries and how they derailed like half of the regular season. But it was really how the Blazers performed after they got healthy that kind of soured me on this team. And yes, they had that really nice stretch to close the season. But I thought once Nurkic and McCollum were healthy, and especially Nurkic, that the Blazers would go on this run in the second half and really have a decent playoff showing. But you look at it, it never really happened. You know, after Nurk and CJ came back, the Blazers' record was 15 and 12. And then they got bounced in the first round by a depleted Nuggets team that they should have beat. The team never really got to much better this season than mediocre. And for me, that's, that's just not good enough. Yeah, it definitely took them too long to get going. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, uh, I was listening to our, our you know, preseason pod that, that we did, I don't know, five months ago, six months ago. Uh, and, it, and it was pretty entertaining. Uh, you mentioned a lot of this, Jared, so I, I'll try and be, be brief because, um, yeah, I mean, you were the highest on the Blazers out of the, the three of us at the time. Um, Nate had the Blazers at 45 wins, the four seed. Uh, I had them winning 41 games, but I thought they would somehow be the four seed. Uh, and so much of this is just based on your expectations yeah. and where, where you had them, where you believe they were. Um, and I think that will determine how you feel when it's all said and done. So for me, very much like Max, this is about where I thought they would finish. I thought, you know, uh, they were good enough to be a second round team, but it wasn't that significant for me to believe that I'm like all in on the fact that this was a failure. So if I have to choose, I'm somewhere in the middle. Ultimately though, um, it is, it is super disappointing because uh, this team was, was built for, for better days. And even going back to those, those podcasts, something that at least you and I, Jared, touched on was our belief in their depth. Mm. And it wasn't there, man. Yeah. Uh, like it, it, there were moments, but consistently – uh, it, it didn't happen on, on a regular basis to be able to weather that storm. I mean, I don't know how much you can plan for CJ McCollum to be out for a significant amount of time, along with Yusuf Nurkic. I think that's a lot for any team to overcome. But at the beginning of the year, I really felt like this team had enough firepower to get through. And clearly it wasn't enough. And the way that the season ended, uh, just leaves such a sour taste in your mouth. Rarely do you walk away from a season when you get eliminated. Do you feel like, yeah, we're right there, especially the way this team, you know, got punked to blow a 14 point lead in an elimination game at home, um, you know, to waste 
uh, uh, such an epic performance from Damian Lillard in game five. Like it was just falling off a cliff there at the end of the season. And so like we talked about so many times, if they didn't have a good showing in the postseason, changes were going to come. Yeah. And boom, it happened pretty quick. Guys, you want to move on to number two here? Let's do it. Yeah, let's move on. Terry Stotts is out, and the Blazers' search for a new head coach is on. What do you think the Blazers should look for in a new coach? And do you have any favorite candidates? Guys, before uh, we get going, Terry Stotts, you know, took this team to eight consecutive playoff appearances, the longest current active streak in the NBA. He was the head coach of the Trailblazers for nine seasons, nearly a decade. Um, consistency is one of the, the words that comes to mind in terms of regular season success. Uh, he made this team was, was a good team consistently. And um, he was a really, a really nice guy. Uh, I, I felt like you could come to him on most days and ask him a question and you got a, a genuine response from him. I know he didn't give us a whole lot. Um, you know, he had his quirks when it came to like starting lineups and, you know, just certain weird things you couldn't ask him uh, because he would get annoyed. But overall, just just a good dude that would ask how you're doing. And um, there were a lot of moments at the practice facility where he would engage after, you know, the presser was over, so to speak. The scrum had ended and there was a lot of small talk that took place that I thought was really cool. Um, that there was kind of this switch that was flipped once the cameras were off and, you know, everyone was done recording that you could kind of joke around. So um, I really enjoyed uh, working with, with coach Stotts um, and, and those in those ways as a media member. And so just an overall good dude. So I wanted to make sure that we started there before we got into looking ahead because uh, you know, Terry Stotts, the, the second winning as coach in, in franchise history with more than 400 wins with the trailblazers. Uh, no doubt in my mind that, that if he wants to, he'll be a head coach in this league again. Yeah. I mean, thank you for leading with that because I'm definitely going to miss Terry Stotts. I mean, I do think he was a good coach and, and like you said, just, just a good person, a good human being and uh, someone, I mean, actually the first thing on my list when I'm talking about, what I'd like the Blazers to look for in a new coach. Um, I want the Blazers to hire a coach who is a good guy, a good person. Um, and I think part of that reason for that is because we've had Terry Stotts in Portland, you know, for so long. Um, he was a good coach, especially in the regular season, and the Blazers enjoyed a lot of success with him. But I also feel he really represented Portland well, and he was definitely someone you could root for as a human being. Um, I went through the jailblazers era as a fan and as much as some of the stuff that happened during the era with that team was definitely overblown, but there were some things that happened that made it really hard for me to remain a blazers fan. Um, signing Ruben Patterson, other sexual assault allegations, you know, with members of the team, charges of domestic abuse, charges of dog fighting. There were things like that that were going on during that era that, that I did not, you know, like at all. And it, it did make it hard to be a Blazers fan and to remain a Blazers fan. And I don't want to return to that or anything resembling it. 
Um, there are a lot of candidates for this position, and I just, I really hope that the Blazers front office really considers character as one of the main criteria when they make their choice. So, you know, I definitely want a good coach. I want someone who's going to make a positive difference on the, the court, but I don't want that at the expense of character. You know, character for me uh, is number one. Um, the only other things I'll talk about is I want a coach who can coach the Blazers to better defense. I mean, I think that's obvious, but that doesn't mean I, I necessarily need the coach himself or herself to be a defensive mastermind, but I do expect the coach to hold players accountable when they mess up on defense and especially when they don't try on defense. I think we did get away from that a little bit with coach Stotts. And if the Blazers do hire an offensive minded head coach, I mean, think someone that's whose name has been out there like Mike D'Antoni, then I would expect him to then hire a defensive mastermind, like a really good defensive assistant as his lead assistant, and then to give that assistant complete control of the defense. Um, so that's, you know, number two on my list. And I don't, I don't have a favorite candidate, honestly. Um, there was one candidate that I did not want to coach the Blazers at all, and he withdrew his name from consideration, and I'm happy about that. Um, I honestly, I don't, I don't know enough about what makes a good coach in the NBA to determine which of these candidates whose names are out there would be the best choice for the Blazers. I, I actually think the Blazers are going to end up hiring Chauncey Billups, and I have some mixed feelings about that but we'll see what happens. You know, the coaching search is still in its infancy. I think we're still at least a couple weeks away from a hire, but, um, but the, that's what I'm looking for in a coach. Yeah. I'm with you, Jared, on the defense. That's obviously number one. Um, and I thought, uh, I thought that was well said. I think being a good person is very important. Additionally for me, I think, any potential coach, I think it's important that they want to be in Portland long-term. Um, I think that's the best way that the organization can continue um, this winning culture and take the next step. Um, some of the potential candidates whose names have been leaked don't strike me as long-term choices. Some of them seem more like they would use this job as a stepping stone, but I mean, I'm no expert on coaching, or I, and I have no idea what these potential coaches want. So who knows there? But if I have to pick a favorite, it's probably Chauncey Billups, just because of his history of leadership on championship-caliber teams. And he knows what it takes to win an NBA title. It would also be his first head coaching job. And I think giving, giving a coach his or her first shot comes with a much better chance of building loyalty and keeping that person long-term with the organization. I do think before you uh, talk about this, Orlando, I do think Billups will be a very good head coach, whether it's with the Blazers or where he's going to be a head coach soon. And I think he'll be a really good head coach. Um, so if the Blazers do hire him, I think they'll get a, a good coach uh, in, with their hire. Yeah. Uh, it I'm on the same page as you guys in terms of, you know, going to bat for a coach. Like I'm not passionate about a certain person that's out there or that could be available or who's not even available. Like experience would be great. Uh, playoff experience and success in the playoffs would be awesome. Like those and Neil O'Shea, you know, mentioned that and, and those really being the reasons why, 
they mutually parted ways with Terry Stotts was, you know, one, uh, the struggles on defense and they're not being any improvements defensively. And, you know, that kind of being the, the message before most seasons was, oh, we, we need to get better on defense. We need to be better on defense. And uh, they weren't able to do so, especially in this past season um, as, as they went throughout the season. Uh, and then the other thing is playoff su- success. And, you know, we talked about how much of a bummer it is in Portland uh, during the prime of Damian Lillard, who has been one of the best players in the entire NBA. And when you have a player of his status, you know that you only have a certain amount of time uh, that you have the ability to win a championship. And so there is that, enti- that urgency which on a sidebar was super interesting to hear Damian Lillard so quick after, you know, it was announced that coach thoughts was out that he had an opinion and publicly, you know, put his name out there in a report from Chris Haynes uh, on, on who he wanted as a head coach. And then to follow that up uh, with a report from the athletic with uh, Sham Sharania and Jason quick, on him, you know, saying, well, I'm cool with these two specific candidates. Like he put his name on record. And so it just shows the level of urgency that we're dealing with and Damian Lillard's uh, desire to have more of an impact on the decisions that are made within the organization. And Neil Olshay also mentioned how, you know, Damian Lillard will at least have some type of impact on the decisions that are made and even had mentioned as soon as Neil had those conversations with Stotts about this being the end of the road uh Dame was the first person he called to let him know so that lets you know where they're at from from that standpoint um that they need you know somebody who's going to have the ability to make this team better defensively with the roster the way it stands and also you've got to be able to win in the postseason so I, I do like Max's suggestion that uh, going with a, a candidate that is maybe younger or, you know, has fresh ideas. Um, I, I, I like that. I, I think it's cool to go that route. It's just that there is a little bit of risk involved when you don't have a lot of room for error on this hire, knowing where you're at in Damian Lillard's prime. It's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you can look at some of the success that former NBA point guards have had recently. I mean, before he was hired to coach the Warriors, like, I don't think Steve Kerr had any NBA head coaching experience, and he was exactly what they needed. And then this past season, Steve Nash, you know, hired to coach the Brooklyn Nets, and he's been fantastic. And so someone like Chauncey Billups, um, it's a really interesting, you know, hiring choice. And uh, you know, as far as playoff success, you know, the candidates that we've seen out there that have been reported by, by Woj and Shams, like they haven't had a ton of playoff success. Like Mike D'Antoni has been a really good regular season coach, but hasn't been great in the playoffs. Um, you know, Jeff Van Gundy, same thing, like, you know, a lot of regular season wins, but you know, a 500 record in the playoffs. Um, I think he's only, you know, he has one trip to the finals. So you give him that, but um, so I don't know if like the coaches that they're looking at are necessarily these um, 
coaches with championship experience or or really you know outstanding playoff you know track record of success um so it'll be interesting to see which which direction they go uh i do think you know there's one name left on the list that that damian lillard has said he wants and it is chauncey billups so we'll see what happens huge if uh you've got dame's stamp of approval that's (laughs) i think that's an understatement there um so yeah let's see what happens but this this hire is is very important like this this is it this this decision will have ripple effects for years to come uh with this organization and this it's just such a big hire so it's something that we're going to continue to follow and obviously as things develop in that standpoint uh likely have a podcast almost devoted to that during the off season so make sure to subscribe because That'll be one of the big things that, that we talk about during the offseason. So, guys, my goodness, question number three. Neil Olshay, he held an end-of-season press conference to talk about last season, the coaching search, and the upcoming offseason. So what were your guys' main takeaways from anything that uh, Neil Olshay had to say in what was, I think, a, a super entertaining press conference um, that ends up being, you know, kind of must listen press conference because we only get to talk to Neil on record like this twice a year, maybe. And then if there's, you know, maybe a mid season signing that works out well, schedule wise, then we get them again, maybe, but there's usually your, your preseason and your, end of the year pressers. And so it's, it's a great opportunity to see where the general manager's thoughts are on everything. And obviously at that point, the, the big thing was your head coach, who's going to be the coach of the trailblazers. And, you know, why was it time to, to move forward uh, after nine seasons with, with Terry Stotts? So guys, who wants to, to get this party started? I'll say my piece and then I'll let you guys cook because Orlando, I want to hear from you. You were in the press conference. So I want to hear what that was like, but I will get this out of the way. First off, I just want to say, I'm not ever going to publicly call for anyone to be fired. Uh, I'm just not comfortable doing that. But that said, I cannot think of anything positive to take away from that news conference. Uh, I thought the entire thing was an extremely bad look for Olshay. He came off, Uh, as an arrogant jerk to me. He continuously talked down to the media. He refused to take any responsibility for the team's shortcomings. And he put all the blame on Terry Stotts, who showed nothing but class in his time as the head coach. So let's contrast how Olshay acted with former Blazers GM Kevin Pritchard, who now runs the Indiana Pacers. They just fired their coach after one season. Here's what Pritchard said when speaking to reporters. Quote, it's my fault. It's our organization's fault. We've got to do better, end quote. I think Olshay made a huge mistake by refusing to take any responsibility. And based on how he acted toward reporters, frankly, it's hard for me to actually trust anything he said. And I think, Orlando, you just mentioned this. It's magnified by the fact that he only speaks to the media two to three times a year. And one more thing, I think he took a big risk by saying none of this was his fault. He put all his chips in the middle right then and there. 
And I think he bought himself one more year. If the new coach doesn't go a long way toward turning this, the defense and the team around, I think that's likely it for him. Man, and that's all I've got. What do you guys think? Clapping sounds bad on a podcast recording, but I want to clap for what Max just said. <laughs> yeah, you're spot on everything, every single thing you said. I, I want to hear from Orlando first um, because he was in the middle of it. Um, Neil Shea was one of, or Orlando was one of Neil Shea's targets. <laughs> um, so Orlando, I, I want to hear what it was like to be in the room and be the <laughs> the victim of one of Olshay's whatever you want to call it. <laughs> oh man, um, you know, I, I enjoyed the Neil Olshay press conference experience. Uh, it feels like once every other Olshay press conference, you get um, stuff like this that that comes up, and there's. There's a lot to, to take away for me, not in terms of maybe what he says, but how he says it in terms of, you know, depending on what the question was. Uh, I thought that, you know, the, the questioning from the media overall was pretty good. Uh, the, it was about a half an hour or so that, that he talked to the media and I feel like most of us got in a couple of questions each within the local media. Um, so it was, it was a variety of topics. And like the first 10 minutes or so, you, you get a lot of the surface level stuff out of the way in terms of, you know, uh, Terry Stotts' time here, uh, what you're looking for in, in a head coach, um, you know, the, the roster, uh, you know, what type of moves can you make within said roster, the reaction to Damian Lillard. And then you get to about, I don't know, halfway through, and it feels like Olshay got to a point where he was over it, where his patience level he was done with. And as we continued to fire off questions about the roster, about potential trades um, involving, you know, everyone from C.J. McCollum to, you know, Damian Lillard's uh, – you know, urgency or, you know, would Dame already, would Dame ever be on the, you know, chopping block or would he, you know, want to leave stuff like that? Like it went all over the place. And I think that's when, when Olshay really had enough and I wasn't offended by it or, you know, upset by it. Um, but I did think that it was, it was super telling. And like you said, I mean, there was stuff right out of the gate, even within, you know, Jason Quick asking about uh, how he feels about his job security, um, you know, and I, I don't even think it was really provoked, but uh, I think what, what Max is referring to within uh, the, the old Shea stuff was, you know, him answering that question and bringing it back to the, the first round loss and being ranked 29th uh, defensively. And that not being a product of the roster. Uh, I, I think that was one of the two or three eyebrow raising moments where you said, oh, okay. Where it was really easy to just take the high road on this. And uh, I thought he missed an opportunity there, which on the other hand, I do enjoy 
because it let us know how he how he feels, which we rarely get from front office coaches, people in in those positions. So from a media member who, you know, is looking for a quote or a storyline, things like that. Olshay gave us so much content to work off of, like things that we can talk about that have lived on already the past few days and um, will be discussion points at the barbershop, at your water cooler. Like this is, this is all things that are, that are going to come up. Um, but from that standpoint, without getting too far in, because I want to hear what, what Jared has to say, there was something that, that I asked him about Yusuf Nurkic because uh, the, the way the Blazers season ended was disappointing. The players were upset. Um, you knew it was the end of an era. You knew that change was coming. Uh, this team had high hopes, expectations were high within that locker room, the, the amazing play of Damian Lillard, so on and so forth. And Yusuf Nurkic, you know, came out guns blazing in that post-game press conference. And I don't think a lot of us saw it coming. Uh, for me, it came out of left field at a time when we're, you know, worried about deadlines and just talking about the season ending and, you know, a lot of, of those storylines. You know, Nurk mentioned his displeasure with his role within the team and then uh, took it a step further with, with Mike Richmond um, when, you know, Mike had asked him about, uh, you know, his, I guess, a, I, what was the, the right word that, that he Mike asked, asked him if if he if he wanted to be back next season yeah it, just it, yeah straight up yeah and and didn't beat around the, the bush about it and Yusuf Nurkic really questioned how he felt about the Blazers right now and had said you know under under the, the current situation I don't know you know like he said he wants to be back in Portland, but based on the way things are, he wasn't feeling it. And I know at, at that moment, things were, you know, emotional and he's mad because he wanted to do more. He wanted to help the, the team win. He had such a, you know, he, he felt like he could have had that bigger role. And here it is. I, I was pulling it up on, on Twitter where, you know, Richmond asked him, do you want to be back next season? And Nurk said, quote, in the right situation. Yes. So he followed up with what is the right situation. Excellent follow-up question by Richmond, by the way. Oh, totally, totally yep. props. Because he said, we'll see. I don't know yet, but this is not it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if that's not questioning your future in Portland, I don't know what is. And so getting back to my question to Neil, it was that, did, did they get everything resolved with Nurkic? Because Nurk was even bringing up his agent and his, his contract. And even though he's still under contract and the team's going to pick up, you know, the, the partially guaranteed portion. So it's going to be a full guaranteed, you know, year that they have him. Nurkic brought all that up. Like, and most of that was unprovoked up until, you know, Richmond basically cutting to the chase with all of this. And so when I asked Olshay that, uh, he made it seem like he had never heard that before. Um, which is, you know, hard to believe because he's up on everything. He's up on all of this stuff. And that was such a big moment during the uh, immediate moments after the season had come to an end to hear a player that was not happy and is a key player 
a, 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 you know, such an important part moving forward, be unhappy with it. And so eventually, you know, after just, he, he basically asked me about it again. And I, I said, yeah, that's, that's what happened. And eventually we got an answer out, out of Olshay, uh, you know, based on him assuming uh, what I was talking about. So I thought, you know, that was entertaining. There was, there was awkward silence involved and it was, it was just, I, I, it was one of those moments where you were, I was just as confused as everyone else with, wait, what? No, like this is what he said. And I didn't think there was anywhere else I could go with it after uh, I had posed the question that way. So I don't know what you guys thought about that, but uh, I was entertained. He knew exactly what you were talking about. I don't know why he didn't just answer your question. It was a legitimate question, you know. Um, Orlando, you you are so diplomatic. Um, <laughs> and I, I appreciate that. I feel like we've been exceptionally fair to Neil O'Shea on this podcast from the beginning. I think we've praised him when he's made moves that we thought were good. Um, I, I, I think we've always been fair to him. And I'm just, I was really disturbed by his behavior during this press conference. Since he got here, he and Terry Stotts and Damian Lillard, they have touted, and I believe that they have created this culture. And they've developed over almost a decade that embodies hard work, accountability, and character. And during this press conference, and this isn't the first time we've seen something like this, I just think this was the worst example of it that we have seen. I don't think Olshay emulated that culture at all during his press conference. I know a lot of people don't like the media, and maybe Neil is one of them. And that's fine. I don't care if you like the media or not. But in this instance, every single person in that room is just doing their job. Nobody asked ridiculous questions. Nobody asked a single question that deserved scorn or ridicule or the kind of combative responses you saw from Neil O'Shea. And the media, especially in this market, they represent the voice of the fans. They are asking the same questions that the fans would ask Neil O'Shea if they were there in the room with him. So when O'Shea treats members of the media, like you, Orlando, or like A.J. McCord, or Sean Hyken, or Aaron Fentress, with the level of scorn and disdain that he did, he's treating the fans with that same level of, level of scorn and disdain. And that's not what this Blazers culture that he has helped create is all about. So I was I was really disturbed by his behavior. I don't I didn't understand it. There were there were no questions that were out of bounds. It was just an end of season press conference asking questions about a team that underperformed, that had just fired their coach, and that is looking at you know an off season of potential change. And for him to be as combative as he was and treat human beings in that room the way he did. I just, I don't understand it. And I, I don't think we should excuse it or not call it exactly what it is. Neil O'Shea needs to be better in the way he treats human beings. As for the things he said, when he said the first round loss in the defensive rating at 29 was not a product of the roster, come on. Of course it was a product of the roster. And Neil built that roster. It was also a product of the coaching staff which is why Stotts was fired. The players carry some blame too, but for Olshay to accept no responsibility and completely throw Stotts 
under the bus in that instance, Stotts has already been fired and you throw him under the bus again, it shows a complete lack of character and accountability. If Olshea doesn't think that two of the Blazers' top rotation players, Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor, both of whom he signed, contributed heavily to that defensive rating and the first-round loss, he's not looking at this objectively at all. Why couldn't he just take some accountability? Why is that so hard for him to do? Why can't he just say, we all need to be better at our jobs, do better going forward? I think his response to the question about Sean Hyken, about C.J. McCollum, was actually really interesting, though. Hyken asked if Olshay's stance on breaking up Dame and CJ remains unchanged. And I've watched media members ask Olshay about this many times over the past several years. And every time his answer has been some variation of why would I break up the best backcourt in the NBA? He's always been very clear that he would not trade McCollum. He would not break up Dame and CJ. So his response to the question this week was really interesting. And it leads me to believe that the Blazers will gauge McCollum's trade value. They will listen to trade offers. They will actively try to trade him and they will make the move if the right deal is out there. Here's what Neil said. He said, you've been here a while. There we go again. Has anything we've ever done gotten out in public before it's happened in regards to trades or free agency? We don't discuss our players in a public forum. It's not fair to them. It's not what we do here. And I'm totally fine with that. That's, that's fine. But we also understand this is a business. Nothing is ever off the table if it advances us closer to a championship. Now, keep in mind, when Neil was asked earlier in the press conference by Aaron Fentress if the Blazers would ever consider trading Damian Lillard, he scoffed and he refused to answer that question. That's what he's done to questions about trading C.J. McCollum in the past. He used to treat those, those kind of questions with the same derision. But this time he said nothing is ever off the table. He's never answered a trade CJ question like that before, ever. That doesn't mean the Blazers will trade CJ, but I do think it definitely means they will entertain the idea of trading him in a way they never have before. So long story short, I was disturbed by Neil O'Shea's behavior, but I do think some interesting things did come out of that press conference. I love it. Um, he, was, he was playing defense the way you wish he, the way he wishes the Blazers would have played defense. That's how he came, that's how he came across in that. In the final 10 to 15 minutes, Olshay was defensive. Yeah. And to your point, he had opportunities there where uh, he, he didn't have to go that route. You know, that a, a simple, you know, he could have, he could have made things a lot easier on himself. I'll say that in, ter in terms of, uh, PR <laughs> and an organization that is so good at it, that controls everything, uh, that, that wants to be, you know, ahead of the story. That wasn't it. Um, but I, I go back to my, my original point and that's, you learned so much about him, about the state of the Blazers not by the actual, not even by the actual words that are coming out of his mouth, but in the way that he is saying these things. And it lets you know that there is a little more urgency than there has been in the past. And I had that, th there were two moments where I paused and, and just raised my eyebrows. And that was the big one, was the CJ question from Sean Hyken. Because to your point, Jared, we have heard this multiple times when that question has come up on whether 
you know, these two can win together, whether it's okay to break them up. And to hear that line that nothing is off the table. Whoa. Yeah. That lets, that lets you know that those options will be explored. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen because it's going to be something that is tough to, to pull off. And I'm sure that um, Olshay is feeling the heat and is starting to feel that, that pressure from, from ownership because of the lack of playoff success. Because of, and and right, rightfully so. Yeah. And, and nothing was surprising about, uh, you know, Stotts being out. Like, right. in the world of sports, your fall guy is always the head coach and his, and his coaching staff. That's because the GM's not going to fire himself. Like, that's not going to happen. And so that's, this is the point we've reached where, okay, the coach is gone. Now you're going to pick the coach. You need to make some moves. And if this team doesn't move in that, in that direction, uh-oh. Yeah, he, he showed all his cards with it wasn't a product of the roster. Well, the coach is gone. It's all on him now. Yep. The spotlight is completely on him. And I completely agree with you, Orlando. It's not how you say it. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. And, and to Jared's example of, of the Damian Lillard question, would you ever consider trading him? Instead of just scoffing and saying, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. How about just say absolutely not? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just that easy. Instead, you come off looking the way you looked, and you're just compounding mistakes upon mistakes there. How about so, you just I mean, treat I, I, a human being with respect? Yeah, that's, that's really all easy. I'm looking for out of that. Yeah. Yeah, there's no need to make it harder on yourself. Hmm. And I commend you, Orlando, for just kind of looking at the entertainment value of it all and, and letting the things some of what he said just kind of roll off you. I found that hard to watch, honestly, the whole thing. I thought it was pretty cringeworthy. And I agree, Jared. Every reporter in there was doing their job and doing it well. Yep. I, I appreciate that, guys. Uh, I appreciate you guys saying that. Um, I'm just, I guess I'm so used to being in these weird, you know, type of situations. Maybe it doesn't involve the GM, but just in being in this business for a long time and dealing with people that aren't in their, you know, best situations. Sometimes it's good to have the opinions of others that are, are listening to it and seeing it from a different perspective, because when you're so far, when you're in deep like that, um, you're not really thinking about was that, I mean, and there are times where everybody loses their cool, but in those situations for me, that wasn't what my, thinking was um, I had kind of uh, compartmentalized like, okay, what's coming next? What's the next question that needs to be asked? Where are we on this list of, of things that I want to make sure we get to? And you, and the thing with the zoom, the way of doing these zoom pressers is you don't necessarily know when it's your turn, when it's coming next, like the blazers do a good job of kind of trying to keep it in the order of the chat. But some of these bigger pressers, you're just raising your hand and they call on you. And so you kind of have to be ready. And so when somebody, you know, when he answers a couple of questions uh, that have, have been asked and it's like, okay, I don't need to talk about that again. I need to ask about this. I need to ask about that. 
And so that's kind of where mine, my mentality was in all of this was, okay, what's next? And did he answer that question? What else needs to be covered in, you know, those opportunities that you get where you, you know, are asked two questions, maybe three tops. That's because you are a pro. That's why you reacted that way. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. Um, but uh, nevertheless, gave us a lot of, of stuff to, to think about. And, uh, you know, really, they are going to define the rest of this era that are going to impact Damian Lillard's future here with Portland. Um, this, the success that this team can have this offseason is so important. And it starts with the head coach and it moves into the offseason priorities. And that's question number four here, guys. Jared, I'm going to ask you, what should the Blazers offseason priorities be? I think their top offseason priority should be to re-sign Norman Powell. I think he proved that he can be an important player for this team. He brings shooting ability. He has the ability to create his own shot. He can score at the rim. He can get to the free throw line. And if you think about it, the Blazers haven't had that in a wing player in a long time. I think he's probably going to cost upwards of $20 million annually, but I think he's worth that price tag. So I think their number one offseason priority should be re-signing Norman Powell. Um, I also think the Blazers should try to trade C.J. McCollum if they can complete a deal that helps balance the roster and replace McCollum with a comparable player who can play the three or four and bring more length and more defense to the roster. I think if the Blazers could trade McCollum for a player like Milwaukee's Chris Middleton or Philadelphia's Tobias Harris, then they should do it. But I don't think Portland should just absolutely trade McCollum. If the right deal isn't out there, they're better off just bringing him back. Don't trade McCollum just to trade McCollum. After all, if you look at the Blazers' starting lineup, it was not the issue last season, either during the regular season or during the playoffs. During the season, the five-man unit of Dame, CJ, Norm, Rocco, and Nurk outscored opponents by 13.4 points per 100 possessions. They had good numbers on both offense and defense. Of the five-man units that played at least 350 minutes last season, the Blazers had the second-best net rating in the entire NBA, behind only the 76ers. And that did not change in the playoffs despite the bad loss to the Nuggets. That same starting five outscored the Nuggets by 21.7 points per 100 possessions, again, with elite numbers on both offense and defense. Of the five-man units that played at least 50 minutes in the playoffs, Portland's starting five ranked third behind the 76ers and the Nets only. So if the Blazers bring McCollum back, if they don't find the kind of trade that's going to make them better, that's going to get them a little bit closer to real contention, and they keep that starting lineup intact, it will be a good thing. They shouldn't trade McCollum just to trade McCollum but if they write deals out there, then they absolutely should. And then I'll finish with my second offseason priority for the Blazers is they have to fix the bench. Neil O'Shea actually said it himself during the press conference. He said, I do think that our bench this year gave me a window into knowing we have to have more impact defenders coming off our bench as opposed to just more scorers. And I'm, I'm really glad he said that. And I hope he follows through with that. In my mind, you cannot bring back Ennis Cantor as much as I love him. And I don't think the Blazers should bring back Carmelo Anthony either. Portland needs to have better defenders in its reserve unit. I think Anthony Simons can stay. His offense is really important to the second unit. And I do think his defense is improving. I think Derek Jones Jr. is probably actually going to opt in 
he has a player option and come back next season and play under a different coach. And I think he'll be a good wing to have coming off the bench because of his defense. And I think the Blazers can sign Zach Collins to a one-year kind of prove-it deal and hope that he can have a healthy season because I think if he's healthy, he's the exact kind of player that they're looking for to play an important reserve role. He has that blend of offense and defense that the Blazers need coming off their bench in a big man. But Collins has an injury history. So as insurance for Collins, I would love the Blazers to sign a big man who can ably fill in for Nurkic on defense, which is something, unfortunately, Cantor could never do. And so I'd like them to sign a veteran like Nerlens Noel or trade for a player, even though he's, you know, really getting up there and it's probably near retirement. I think you trade for a player like Mark Gasol. I think that could really help you out. So the Blazers need to fix their bench so that when the reserves come in, they don't just hemorrhage points like they did this season. So those are my offseason priorities. Uh, Jared, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I'll just add that I'm really skeptical that a realistic trade partner is out there to make the team better in the short term in a, if they're trading CJ McCollum. And on a personal note, I, I just, I mean, I love CJ. I love watching him. I don't want him to be traded. I really enjoy watching he and Lillard play together and I want to continue to watch them together. I think it would be that much more rewarding for them to finally break through if that could ever happen. Um, I think the most realistic improvement is the bench. You know, it, it, from what Olshay said, it, that doesn't sound like Carmelo Anthony is going to be on the team next year, um, which I'll miss if that's the case. And I know Orlando, you're going to really miss it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just improving the bench is the most realistic and important thing that I can see at this moment. What do you think about uh, re-signing Norman Powell, Max? I don't know how um, what he could command on the open market would like fit into the Blazers' salary cap situation. I'm I'm not an expert in that at all, um, but I really liked the way he played this season. Um, he didn't show that much in the in the series against Denver, except for the one except for Game Four. Right. Um, but I definitely like what he brings to the team, and I like him as a person too. Yeah, when they traded for him, they did acquire his bird rights. So they can, you know, sign him for basically whatever they want to. Just then you have to take into consideration luxury tax payments and stuff like that. Who? Yeah, the optics on that. Mm, if they yeah. don't sign Powell, if Powell decides to leave and go somewhere else and get paid more money and all that stuff, you basically let Gary Trent Jr. walk out the door. Um, so I think prioritizing Powell at the top of your list, Jared, makes a whole lot of sense. Um, on top of the fact that he's, he's the, the missing link to, your, to having your entire starting five be back next season, which from a consistency standpoint is huge. Uh, he's also the doing... missing link to, if you are going to trade CJ McCollum, then you now have yeah. someone to slide in at the two. I mean, I think that Powell played the three just fine in Portland, but I think he's better suited to play the two. So if they do trade McCollum, I mean, what if Milwaukee continues to just get blasted here by the Nets and, and goes out in four or five games in the second round, there's a chance that they might look to make a big move. This would be the second year that they've had a really disappointing playoff run. And so if you can trade for someone like Chris Middleton, play him at the three, he's got the size, the length, the defense, 
then you can slide Norman Powell to the two. The Blazers never had that option really before that allowed them to trade Sachin McCollum. And Norman Powell, if they can resign him, does give them that option, that flexibility. Yeah, such a such a good point. And that's why that's such a vital domino. Like that's such a big piece in all of this to even have that be a realistic option. Powell has to sign with the Trailblazers to do so. Um, I really liked shout out to, to CJ McCollum, um, even on Twitter, the way he's handled this, which I, I kind of was surprised to even hear anything from him, but uh, NBA reporter, David McKay had, had tweeted, you know, McCollum has seen trade rumors almost his whole career, not because he's problematic. And then, you know, in parentheses said, though I concede size defense as a suboptimal fit, but because Portland's trade chips of any real return value have long been Lillard off the table, McCollum reasonable yield and everyone else is oof. So CJ McCollum replied with, I'm not offended, brother. I came from nothing to more than something. I work hard, show up and do my job to the best of my ability. Everyone has a right to their own opinion, even if that means they want to see me traded. It's a part of life when you play this sport. Blessings. So I thought that, you know, CJ is, is handling this with a grain of salt and, and mature publicly uh, about everything that goes on because CJ is like your one tradable piece, really. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's other options out there, but that has some type of value. Um, that's the way to go. And even that is who knows what other teams see in CJ. Do they need him? Do they value him? All of that com- comes into play. But uh, like Max said, I, I really enjoy CJ being a part of this team. I like uh, him and Dame playing together, but I just think CJ is so cerebral the way he sees the game. Uh, you know, the, the nickname crafty that, that people often mention, like it's poetry in motion when he has the ball, the, the way that he's, he handles the mid range, um, the, the floaters, the footwork, like all of that stuff is, is super dope to, to witness in person. And so that'll be a bummer if, if that day ever comes uh, to see him, him traded, but you're right. The, the, the Powell move is, is so big in terms of, re-signing him in the first place the only other one that that i would add to to that list that uh you haven't mentioned because the bench obviously is key olshay has said you know eight through 12 on on the bench is the way the nba is there's so much movement there and just based on that this team is going to look different uh from from the bench you know where you have i think ultimately eight players who could be here or, or not be here um, all together when they get back on the court next season. Um, but the other thing is obviously Damian Lillard needs to be happy. You need to make that dude happy. And he needs to be a part of the, the big decisions. And it can't just be lip service. Um, if Lillard likes something, it needs to be seriously considered. And I would say in a lot of ways, you know, obviously you, need, you are the GM, you are the front office. You, that is your job. You do that. But Dame needs to feel like he's a part of it. He really does. And so I think that's going to be huge to to satisfy him in his prime. We've all seen what he gives to this organization, to the city. And you have a superstar that wants to be here, uh, that loves the city of Portland, that, you know, doesn't really want to go anywhere else. But, you know, who's who knows what his tipping point is? You know, when push comes to shove, if 
he doesn't feel valued, um, not just for what he does on the court, but in him wanting ownership in this team for the foreseeable future. That's going to be huge is just satisfying Damian Lillard and, and making sure that he's happy along the way and that he's invested in this, that, you know, he's willing to go down with this team because he had a say in it and bringing in certain guys and, and whatnot, if, if that's how he feels, but obviously he's made it known how he feels about the coaching search. So I think Dame needs to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's earned the right to be involved. Yeah. You know, everything he's done and said, it's all about loyalty, all about loving Portland, loving the organization, wanting to stay here. Now that could change, but until it does, I mean, that's what he's been all about. And he, so he, as one of the best players in the NBA, he has absolutely earned the right to be involved in every discussion as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. The other thing that, that really surprised me as we were going through this end of season slash playoff run was the interest from fans in, in Zach Collins. Um, you know, for a player that, you know, I had automatically chalked up as, all right, he's done for the year. We're not going to talk about him. His name would come up periodically from fans, especially in, you know, people on social media on just where's Zach and can Zach make it back. And Jared, you touched on it because he's so important to the fit. Uh, he is someone that the Blazers could have used dearly. I mean, they, he just, he fits what they, what they need. And so the fact that he is, would probably likely have that extra year to, to prove himself, you know, obviously he's a restricted free agent, but it seems like the Blazers would want to take one more shot at it at a, at a low price and be like, all right, Zach, here's your chance. Here's your audition. Prove to us what you can do. Are you worth it? So I think that that's going to be another interesting angle to follow this off season. Let's close up this uh, off season part by kind of going through the Blazers potential free agents. Let's just do this kind of rapid fire. I'll lead it. I'll just say the player's name and you just tell me if you think he will be back in Portland next season or not. And if you want to say anything about why or why not, go ahead. Uh, we'll start with Yusuf Nurkic. He has that non-guaranteed team option. It's partially guaranteed. Do you guys think Yusuf Nurkic will be back? Yes. Yeah, I think the recent changes uh, will probably make him feel a little different than the way he felt at the end of the season. Yeah, I agree. I actually think that a new coach will mean more to Nurkic than, than a lot of other players on this team. Um, all right, Norman Powell, he has a player option. He will likely opt out of that player option and get more money on the open market, whether it's with the Blazers or another team. Do you guys think Norman Powell is back in a Blazers uniform next season? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this is the big one. <laughs> yeah. I'll say yes. I'll, I'll say he, he's back. Uh, let's see if, you know, all of the whining and dining that this organization did when he first got here is enough. And shout out to Jason Quick and his report that he did. I would suggest to to check that report out that he did um, on Norman Powell and just the, the efforts that the team went into making sure that he feels comfortable here in Portland because you only get one first impression. And, you know, I think Norman Powell really loved – 
the fan base. And even just getting a small sample of that to hear the crowd chanting his name when he had that big time performance at the Moda Center, I think was was a huge, huge factor for him. And you could see it in a dude that's pretty ice cold. Uh, you saw a smile out of him. Yeah. And uh, like it, it was like that little kid uh, enjoyment, love for the game uh, that he had even, you know, 30, 40 minutes after the game when he talked about it. So I'll say that that was just enough, but he's going to be wined and dined by teams and the price may go up and it may take, you know, uh, some bucking up from ownership to, to pay. Yeah. I kind of, he's going to be a really popular free agent. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of feel the same way as Max, you know, the maybe, but Mm -hmm. I think I will lean slightly towards the Blazers bringing him back. I think, I think I'd be really surprised if they don't do whatever it takes to re-sign him because I don't think they made that trade to just lose him after a half-season rental. So I do think he'll be back. Definitely won't, wouldn't be surprised either way. Sure. But if you've got a pick. Uh, next on the list, Derek Jones Jr. He also has a player option for a little more than $9 million. So do you think he will pick up his option and be back in Portland next season? I'll go maybe again. It's just, I mean, that's that's a nice amount of money for one year, but could he be thinking, you know, I want I want more years. Now is the time. I don't know. His agent better be really good if that's the case. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say more likely that yes than no, but I'm not 100% confident. I, I think that's a, I think it's a yes. I think it's a yes, too. I don't think he would get more money than that on the open market. And I do think that a new coach is going to matter to him as well um, because he did lose not only his spot in the starting lineup, but his spot in the rotation at all under Terry Stotts. And so bringing in a new coach, you know, a rededication to defense, hopefully for real this time, um, I think he will opt in and and play next season for Portland. Uh, Zach Collins, he's a restricted free agent if the Blazers extend the qualifying offer. Is Zach Collins back in Portland next season? Yes. I think it makes the most sense. Uh, I think that that should be one of the more predictable things to happen. Yeah, I'm also a yes on that one. Yeah, I think he'll get like a one-year, $5 million prove-it deal or something like that. And and if he stays healthy, I do think he'll be a really important reserve for the Blazers. I think Um, he's going to be determined too, man. He's going to be determined. Yeah. Um, two big ones coming up here. Ennis Cantor. Do you think Ennis Cantor will be back in Portland next season? I think that's a no for me, dog, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm with Orlando on this one. No. Yeah. Especially after what Olshay said in that presser. I think that was pretty targeted. Certainly at Cantor. Maybe, maybe Mello as well. I think he'll be somewhere else next season. And let's Carmelo Anthony, does he retire, come back to Portland next season, or is he playing for a different team? What's up, Max? I think he's playing for a different team. I don't think he's retiring. Yeah, I think his – I think Portland would love to have him just based on, you know, what what the Blazers said at the beginning of the year about him and, and his legacy and everything. I think the Blazers love that to have that, that connection to a hall of famer. Um, 
but I think it's a no as well. Um, if he had the opportunity, if a championship matters to him and there's an opening somewhere else with a contender, he has, you know, a limited amount of time left in his, his playing years. I would, I would go chase a, a championship if I were him. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't think he'll retire either. I don't think he'll be back in Portland next season. I don't think that you're going to want to – I think to bring him back, you kind of have to do the same thing that was done last season and guarantee him a role, maybe a you know, certain number of minutes. And I don't think you're going to put that on a new coach um, to have to do that. All right, finally, let's wrap it up. Four in a row, Harry Giles, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Kelgin Blevins, and TJ Leaf. Do you think any of those four are back in Portland next season? I'll, I'll answer first. I think the only one I'd say yes to is maybe Blevins. He's on the team for one reason, and that reason is still here. <laughs> so maybe he's back as the 15th man. <laughs> I'll just go you with you know, on that he's one. Family, he's uh, family <laughs> Damian Lillard. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll just go with you, pick for pick on that one, Jared. Yeah, I'm down. I trust your intel. Well. Yeah, I'll I'll trust you on that one as as well, man. All right. One guy I'm interested just in in just kind of monitoring his growth uh, going into next season is Nasir Little. Yeah. Like there were times uh, last season. I mean, it was obviously kind of blocked by Carmelo Anthony getting a lot of minutes, but. I questioned whether or not it would be more valuable to give little more time just so he can develop faster. And I think, I think he's shown some potential and he's also shown that he can be totally lost on defense. So I think he's a guy to watch. I also think he could be a sweetener trade chip if they trade CJ. <laughs> okay. Bring back someone yeah. like Middleton or Tobias Harris or anyone who's maybe like a little bit more valuable than CJ McCollum, then a young player like that and a Sarah Little might be a piece that's thrown into a deal. Yeah. You see the signs, you see the potential that he has to be a really good player down the road. Um, all of that makes sense. I'm intrigued to see what type of jumps uh, Anthony Simons makes. Yep. Uh, he has the potential to really make a, a significant jump this off season and in the next season. I think he made a big jump this season. So he did. Yeah, it'll be nice to see what he comes back uh, with next season. He definitely proved himself for sure. Whoo guys. Did, did we, did we mention Ennis Cantor? Oh, we, we did. did yeah. yeah. Friend cool. of the pod. Friend, friend of the pod. Shout out to we him. Will, we will always love Ennis Cantor. Yeah, man. I thought his it's, appearance with Senator Wyden was the best podcast of the season. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah, you guys, you guys were great. Uh, that was just a great interview. If anyone missed it, you know, scroll back through the old episodes. It's, it was awesome. Yeah, it was one of the first episodes this season. Definitely worth the listen. I can't believe that was this season. That trip is now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it was it was super great because so much of it was up in the air, and Ennis just kind of messaged me like last second and was like, "All right, I, I got, I'm in." and Still hadn't heard from him, and then Jared just said Ennis is in, you know, and I'm like, all right, let's go. And <laughs> so much of that was just kind of spurred of the moment, and even Senator Wyden's reaction was was priceless. Like that was just a lot of fun. That was that was really cool. I would I would second that. Go go check that out as well as uh, you know, uh, checking out the uh, Neil O'Shea press conference on KGW 
uh, YouTube page because yeah. um, it's it's super interesting. You'll take a lot away from it. Um, even after we talked about it, I think it's worth a listen because even after I sat through it and then went back and listened to it again, there were still different takeaways uh, from it and things that I think will age as we as we look back on that on that moment. You know that when decisions are made, you can point to certain questions and answers in that presser, that 30 minute presser. Last week after the season ended, we, we discussed whether we wanted to do a podcast right after that, or oh. if we wanted to wait like a week. <laughs> like, let's, let's wait a week and let it marinate. I had, I, I never would have thought this much stuff would have happened in the week, you know, after the season ended. Uh, yeah. It's been a crazy start to what should be an interesting off season. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm glad we did wait for sure. Um, yeah. One thing uh, before we wrap this up, um, we still need to crown a rip it playoff oh, yes. champion <laughs> in case you guys forgot. <laughs> I did. I, I did. Totally did. I know you both did. You, you guys are both ready. <laughs> we were ready to go, man. Hey guys, it's time. It is time. It's great to be back with our final playoff edition of rip it. the rip it playoffs they've come to an end that means these five questions from game six against denver are going to decide the rip it championship and in case you guys need a reminder and i'm guessing you do because you forgot this was even going to happen (laughs) (laughs) orlando holds a seven six lead over jared oh man so let's find out how you guys did in your in your final picks from game six I like Jared's chances here. I really do. I don't know. <laughs> it's been a long season of Brooklyn. <laughs> Maybe I wanted to forget. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, first question was, over or under 32 and a half points for Nikola Jokic? Both of you guys said over. It was over. He scored 36 points in game six. So no changes there. Next question, who will grab the most rebounds? Robert Covington, Michael Porter Jr., or Aaron Gordon? Jared, you said Covington. Orlando, you said Gordon. And Jared got this one. It was Robert Covington with 10 boards. Roko. Gordon had seven. Porter had five. It's all tied up, Orlando. Here we go. We are tied. Next question, over or under five three-pointers for Damian Lillard? Both of you guys took the over. He was under. After making 12 the game before, he was 3 of 11 from 3 in game 6. Next question. Which bench player will score more points, Carmelo Anthony or Monte Morris? Jared, you went with Monte. Orlando, you went with Carmelo. Mello, 14 points. Morris, 22 points. I can't believe I went with Monte Morris. That's awesome. You did. You went back and forth, but you went with uh, the count of Monte Assisto. (laughs) Jared knew this. The nickname I didn't believe was real. (laughs) All right, guys. It all comes down to the wild card question. Will I win the playoffs rip it or will it, as often happens in rip it, end in a tie? It all comes down to this. 
the question. Do you guys remember what the question was? No. No? <laughs> it Not was over, over or under four and a half fouls for Yusuf Nurkic. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, boy! Jared, oh, no. you showed some confidence in Nurkic and took the Why? under, and you were looking great at halftime. <laughs> Orlando, you said, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going over. And he five, had baby. five fouls. Oh, my god! The over. And that means we are ending the Rip It season <laughs> in a very Rip It way with a tie. Of so congratulations to you both. <laughs> oh, another, another season of disappointment. I'm just going to call that. It's not a tie. It's a double win. Oh, well, congratulations. <laughs> to both, <laughs> I, guess, I guess. But, uh, I mean, it in all seriousness. Yeah, I love the ending. I, I thought about some kind of tiebreaker. I'm not doing it. You guys have been great. It's been really fun to do the come up with these questions every week and fun to watch you guys react. So thanks for letting me do that. And thanks for another great season of Rip It. And listeners, thanks for listening, honestly. Like, I hope you guys found some joy out of this crazy game. So good job, guys. Rip It, Rip it is my favorite <laughs> part of the podcast. Even though I'm terrible at it and lose all the time, I love Rip It. That ending was, as we say, so Rip It. Yeah, <laughs> lived up to its name. But guys, it was this was an awesome season, a lot of fun doing the the podcast together. Um, a lot of challenges along the way as we've done this thing on Zoom. Um, we figured out a way to still get it done and do the podcast, which has been a lot of fun to, you know, e- express our opinions on what we've been watching and um, more than anything, just have a friendship and, and um, bond over the Blazers, which I think is the, the big, the, the big reason why we wanted to do this. Obviously, you know, uh, we want to bring facts to the table. We want to, you know, be smart about it, but there's also just that fun factor and that connection uh, with trailblazers fans and people that are just interested in the Blazers. Hopefully you guys felt that connection as well. And you guys felt like you guys were a part of this podcast because a lot of the things we did we we did with you in mind the listener in what we felt like we either would get feedback on or we thought you would really take something away from and i've enjoyed that and this season ha- has been a trip there's been so much that's that's happened in such a condensed amount of time um but just in in real life to have basketball back in somewhat of a normal capacity to see uh some fans return to the Moda Center to have that another step towards normalcy. Uh, it was it was super dope and hearing hearing from fans being at the Moda Center outside at games and things like that, and also getting your feedback on Twitter. Um, the people that joined in in Rip It, shout out to you guys uh, for joining in on Rip It, and you know just the messages that we that we received. Uh, there were you know quite a few people that would just that had something nice to say. And that means a lot to us uh, as we continue to, to do this podcast, but it just feels like this is a great moment to, you know, say thanks and, and give our, our appreciation to, you know, everyone out there that, who makes this podcast what it is. And, you know, Max, I feel like you've stepped into a big role um, with, with Nate. Uh, being gone and and really you've killed it, man. Um, I've really enjoyed your your insight and what you bring to the table, man. 
um, you, you've done a killer job in, in your first season in this, in this role with the podcast. Thanks so much. I, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate Nate too um, for everything for sure. that he's done yep. uh, with this podcast um, with you guys. So, I mean, I'm just a guy who watches a ton of basketball and consumes a ton of NBA content. So to be uh, on a podcast with the two of you guys um, talking about the Blazers every week, it's just so much fun. Um, and we will be back this off season, right? I mean, we're coming, if big news happens, we're going to come back and, and talk about it and break it all down. So I'm really looking forward to that and, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, shout out to, to Nate, like you said as well. And, uh, you know, at some point we'll definitely get him on the pod because, uh, you know, there were a lot of predictions he made that were wrong. So anytime, <laughs> anytime we can bring up what Nate did wrong, I'm all in on that. But uh, Jared, text I wanted... from Nate to us. Oh yeah, <laughs> we know it's coming, Nate. When you make it this far, I look forward to your, your text messages. But uh, Jared, I wanted you to have the the final word in all this because you know you do so much work behind the scenes with this podcast. Um, you know, a lot of research goes into to what you do. Um, a lot of work, and so I uh, wanted to make sure that the floor was yours for the final words, man. Yeah, this this podcast is a, a passion project for all of us. It's um, we always wanted it to be three friends getting together and talking about the Blazers and have it feel like that. And we definitely want to bring research into it and and know what we're talking about. And I think we've accomplished both things. Um, I agree with you, Orlando. You know, Max is uh, it's been a seamless transition bringing him into you know after Nate left, you know, which is a hard thing for all of us, but. Max has done great. He brings so much knowledge um, about the game and about the Blazers and, and a different perspective. And we just hope that like, that's what it's like for the listeners too, that it feels like just a conversation that you'd have at a bar or a coffee shop or wherever, where you're just talking about the team that you love. And that's what we've tried to bring, you know, for four years now. And it's just been, you know, the most fun thing that I do uh, with my job. I mean, it's, it's a small part of my job, but it's my the favorite part of my job for sure. And so uh, it's been a great season, um, a very different, interesting season. But uh, I'm glad that we're still doing this podcast, and, and we will. We'll keep coming uh, at you with more podcasts whenever there's big news, stuff that we feel we need to talk about. Be looking for those emergency pods. You know, we'll be dropping them. And make sure you subscribe so that you, you get that notification you know, of a new episode when we do publish because uh, we're not going to be doing it you know regularly every single week like we do during the season it's uh, a little bit more reacting to breaking news and and big moments during the off season but we'll definitely uh, be back with you several times during the off season so thank you thank you for listening thank you for being part of this we we love doing this and we hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it mm-hmm.